The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Come on! I don't have COVID, so that's good. On this episode of the Heat Check, Trista Crick is the only person that went to Summer League that didn't get COVID. Is no news actually news when it comes to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell? Russell Westbrook fires his agent and makes the Lakers situation even more sticky-icky-icky. DeJounte Murray goes ham on the Spurs organization, and I give you my final thoughts on the felt like two and a half weeks that was NBA Summer League. It is officially the offseason. I need to start figuring out what offseason means for me. There's still news to drop, though, so do me a favor, drop that motherfucking beat rock. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The question that I have, is no news actually news? In the case of Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, feels like the lack of action is action in itself. Last week around this time, all the buzz, everyone was talking. By the way, there's no looser lips than lips at Summer League. People will say things that you would have to track them down and they would never say on the phone. And they say them just so casually. Like you're looking around and you're like, did you, did you just say that you, you're planning to offer DeAndre Ayton a max deal? Like, what? Is, what? Uh, excuse me? It, it felt to me during Summer League, Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks was imminent. Ran into Tibbs, by the way. Very nice man. He allowed me to get off some Tom Thibodeau jokes. He laughed uproariously. Wow. Little nugget. Little nugget. They were like, we got to get, we got to get Tibbs some stars. We got to get Tibbs some, some real talent, man. I go, what you need to do is stop messing around and giving Tibbs guys who are very clearly not Tibbs guys. And Tibbs is sitting right there, and I go, you know the type, you know the type, durable, plays a million minutes, never gets hurt, plays defense, and totally down to run wind sprints when they fuck up. And he just starts laughing. It was a good joke. 
It was actually dead serious, but you know what I mean. So there was a ticking time bomb. Where is Kyrie going to go? Donovan Mitchell most likely going to the Knicks. Kyrie saying he's going to go to the Lakers sometime soon. He's telling fans that. And then, of course, no one hearing from Kevin Durant. People saying he wants to go here. People saying he wants to go there. People say he wants to go anywhere. Other people saying he changes his mind every five seconds, which I think that's probably more to be... Uh, that's probably more the case, let's be honest. But nothing, nothing on this front. Looks like Utah and Spider are finally in a stalemate. As for Kevin Durant, the news, according to Brian Windhorst, is that nobody actually knows what is going through Kevin Durant's mind right now. The Nets aren't even sure what the reason is that he wants to be traded. Truthfully, the more you think about it, you're like, I don't actually know either. Because he said on his podcast, if Kyrie goes, let him go. And then Kyrie then stays for another year, and then Kevin Durant asks to go. Why would he do that? Let's find out more about what, what our man Brian Windhorse has to say on said topic. Now, it's been discussed weeks ago and hasn't advanced, but what, I, can't, I almost can't believe what I'm about to say. The Brooklyn Nets have had a good offseason. <laughs> in, in, in a vacuum, they have, they have gotten healthier. They have added supporting pieces. There's optimism that Ben Simmons is going to be better. And I think looking at the menu of options, the Nets are kind of like, you know, Kyrie, Kevin, take a look here. Um, what I will say is that nobody knows what Kevin Durant is thinking right now. Pause. Oh. Oh, yes. T.J. Warren is enough to get me to rescind my trade request. Um, His communication with teammates and others in the league has been sparse. Um, I don't even think that the Nets, Greeny, have a 100% understanding of why Kevin asked for a trade. He, he, He spoke to the owner in Joe Tsai and gave a reason, but I'm not sure the Nets are... 100% 100% on the understanding of it. So I think really the next step in this, barring a, a team's change of heart to meet the Nets' price, which I don't see at this point on the calendar, I think we're going to have to wait to hear from Kevin Durant about how open he is to running it back with the Nets. And here we go as everybody breaks for summer, sitting, waiting for that to happen. So, so let me throw just something else. He's into not the going to do that until training camp. We're not getting Kevin Durant coming out and doing a IG live like Kyrie Irving with Sage burning in the background. No shot. Overwhelmingly, the vibe in Vegas was that the Nets were going to hold firm until they got the deal that they wanted, and unless they got a king's ransom, Katie and Kyrie would remain on the team. And that they both have incentives. Kyrie wants to be a max player next year. And Kevin Durant just loves basketball so much. Neither one of them are going to hold out. So we kind of got you over the barrel, boys. Come in, put your Nets uniform on, and let's go. That's where we're at, folks, with my man Russell Westbrook. He's just strung out on who he used to be and is like, get me out. I want to go out on my own terms. And here's a bit of news that I think a lot of people wouldn't even actually think was news, but it's when you're inside uh, the matrix of it all, 
you start to see how these pieces influence other moves around the NBA. Lakers guard Russell Westbrook and his longtime agent, Thad Fouché, who he has hired since his time at UCLA. He's been with them his entire career as a basketball player. They are inc- very close, like thick as thieves. They have parted ways. This happens all the time, right? You fire agents, you go somewhere else. That happens. But what doesn't happen, almost never happens, is when that goes on, a splitting of the ways goes on, and an agent decides to put out a statement right after describing and laying out your dirty laundry about how the reason that you guys have parted ways is because you lack all self-awareness. That's basically what that statement was, folks. And it mostly confirmed what we all know to be true. Russell Westbrook wants to leave yet another team one year after being at said team. This will be Russell Westbrook's fourth trade request in four years. Let me say that again. This is Russell Westbrook's fourth trade request in four years. Could have had a statue in Oklahoma City. Decided he wanted to go to Houston. Decided then he wanted to go somewhere else. Didn't matter where. Then Washington. Then back home to L.A. OKC, Houston, D.C., and now L.A. And if he goes to another team, he will be a buyout candidate. If he goes to Indiana or San Antonio, which is looking like where that is targeted, he will need assets to go along with him, i.e. first-round draft picks, to absorb that massive contract and then spit him out and let the free like let uh, him be a free agent on the open market and probably will take a minimum deal. Thad Fouché knows all these things and said all these things out in the open. Here's what he said. Now, with the possibility of a fourth trade in four years, the marketplace is telling the Lakers that they must add additional value with Russell in any trade scenario. You're a negative asset. And even then, such a trade may require Russell to immediately move on from the new team via buyout. My belief is that this type of transaction only serves to diminish Russell's value, And his best option is to stay with the Lakers, embrace the starting role, and support the Darvin Ham publicly offered him. Russell Westbrook is a first ballot Naismith basketball player, basketball Hall of Fame player, and will prove that again before he is retired. Thad's like, listen, fam, you're driving down the price of yourself just by going to a new place. Thad Fouché, basically tired of Russell Westbrook doing this time and time and time again. And, of course, this is highly unusual. You don't say that. I say that. That Fouché does not say that to Woj. We can surmise what it means, but for someone to lay it out and say, this is it. This is what's happening. Russell Westbrook is taking a dive, value-wise. Kind of wild. Especially considered that Thad Fouché, if you don't know, he's, he's not a household name even for the most rabid of NBA fans, one of the more behind-the-scenes agents in the NBA. Do you know? Nobody knows him. Nobody knows what he looks like. I had to Google him. You know who who someone like Rich Paul is. You know who Bill Duffy most likely is. You know who Kevin Durant's agent Rich Kleiman is because they're front and center. And, of course, everyone says, they've come out and say, well, you're supposed to be an advocate of your client no matter what. You're supposed to have his back. You're not supposed to air his dirty laundry. He fired him. 
You're no longer you're no longer in a business relationship. And you also have new clients that may be looking like, why did Russ fire this agent 15 years into his career? Well, because the man's bringing his own price down. I can't, can't see him do himself like this. He's no, under no obligation to keep quiet. But what's getting lost in the Russ drama, and this is actually the main point, is that our man, Rob Palinka, still has no idea what he's doing. None. They made some, on the surface, bubbling, some nice moves. Lonnie Walker, Scottie Pippen Jr., etc., etc. But there are still the Troy Brown. There are still Thomas Bryant. There are still zero shooters. None. No shooters. LeBron James is the best three-point shooter on this team right now. Scottie Pippen, Sharif O'Neal, Austin Reeves, fun kids, real fun guys, young pieces. None of them are going to help this team with spacing or scoring from the perimeter. None. Zero. The number one thing we know, we've said this a bajillion times, I say it until I'm blue in the face. There's only one formula to surround LeBron to win a championship or even to compete. Surround him with shooters. He has the ball in his hand. He is the primary ball handler on a team. That's what he does. He also likes to drive and kick. He commands a lot of attention. All you need to do is just stand there and wait for him to get you the ball. And you have to put it in the hoop with uh, regularity. So let's look at some of these. Why doesn't, why doesn't, if a 12-year-old player, a 12-year-old kid on TikTok knows this, why doesn't Rob Polinka know this? It's the number one thing in my comment section on TikTok. Seven, eight, nine-year-olds. LeBron has no help. He has no shooters. Get him some shooters. Rob Plinka, alert, alert. You're a grown-ass man, and you're making millions of dollars. This is the number one thing you need to do. So let's look at the three-point percentages of these guys that he picked up. Let's look at the team. Troy Brown, 33.7% from three. Lonnie Walker, 34% from three. That's like the most serviceable. THT, 27% from three. Kendrick Nunn, 36% from three. Toscano Anderson, Toscano Anderson, 36% from three. Damian Jones, 30. Thomas Bryant, 35. Stanley Johnson, 30. Austin Reeves, 31. Scottie Pippen Jr., 34% in college. Max Christie, 38% in college. So you're telling me Max Christie is the future of the Lakers? Second round pick? Dennis Schroeder is now hinting he wants to come back to the Lakers 33% from three. Tell me how this helps you. Please. What is happening? If they don't get Kyrie Irving, they are so fucked. They are so incredibly fucked for so incredibly long. Why isn't Buddy Heald there? He's the perfect statue to just stand in a corner. Listen, just go over there. Stand there. Don't move. We'll get you the ball. He shoots almost 40% from three. The latest news per Chris Haynes, friend of show, I think, is that the big three, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, got on a group chat, a group call, and said they have a commitment to one another and a commitment to what? What is that? What commitment do they have? To failing? Do they have a commitment to the play-in tournament? Like a seventh, eight, nine seed? What If I was LeBron James, I'd be like, no, fuck no. Get out of here. I don't have a commitment to you. And what we do know about LeBron James is that he's a liar. So he probably, and a very good one for very, 
we'll call it uh, philanthropic reasons. You don't want to make people sad for the sake of making them sad. Love you, Russ. Yes, let's run it back. Trade him. Trade him. Get him the fuck out of here. I need Kyrie. If you don't give me Kyrie, I'm not running it back. I'm not signing here again if you don't figure out how to get Kyrie. Fuck them picks. Fuck them picks. The Lakers are still trash, and I don't know why no one's saying it. People are like, oh, yeah, Lonnie Walker, good good signing. Yeah, yeah. This is trouble. Who are they beating? Can they beat Phoenix? No. Can they beat the Clippers? No. Can they beat Golden State? Hell no. Can they beat Memphis? No. Can they beat Denver? No. Can they beat Minnesota? No. Can they beat New Orleans? No. Their ceiling is probably the eight seed. The ceiling, folks. And another thing no one's talking about, there are an unusual amount of clutch clients on this roster. <laughs> eight. There are eight, folks. Eight clutch clients on the Los Angeles Lakers. Including all of their recent signings. Lonnie Walker, Juan Toscano Anderson, Troy Brown, Scottie Pippen Jr. What is this? What is happening? Are they using this? Is their playground? Is Clutch Sports like, I don't care if you win. And don't you think LeBron James would suss this out? Like, yo, you're signing a lot of Clutch clients and we're not any closer to winning. What is happening? With Russ, without Russ, I'm not sure this team can compete with anyone in the West besides maybe the Thunder and the Rockets. The Lakers are a play-in team at best. This team outside of that one championship inside the bubble that they didn't even get to celebrate with their fans has been a sinking ship ever since Clutch put their little fangs in and their little claws into this organization and would not let go. The amount of picks that they gave up for AD, the amount of pieces they had to send off for Russell Westbrook, the rotating cast of characters and non-shooters around him, the dusty AARP card carrying guys like Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza and Avery Bradley and Kent Bazemore, who's not old, but he's just not very good. And the Lakers have no one to blame but themselves. Can someone cue that Game of Thrones where it's Cersei and they shave her head and she's walking through naked. Like, someone needs to do that to Jeannie Buss and to Rob Palinka. Shame. 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 This is the fucking Lakers we're talking about. This is not OKC. Can they get their shit together? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. All I have to say, they're going to be bad. Don't bet on This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No organization seen as more first class than the San Antonio Spurs. They are held up as one of the best organizations in the league in terms of talent evaluation, in terms of development, in terms of coaching, in terms of success. There are more head coaches in the NBA right now that come from the Greg Popovich tree than anyone else in the league. They are the gold standard in terms of pop, 
R.C. Buford, first class organization. Exactly the words that DeJounte Murray once used to describe the team when he was traded to the Hawks last week. I think that was last week. That's why, and that's what makes this new news so bizarre. So we know, this is what we know, if you're paying attention. Spurs are currently in tank mode. We know this, why? Every piece that they had on their team that was of any value, uh, they've moved off of. They've gotten away from LaMarcus Aldridge. They got rid of DeMar DeRozan. They got rid of Derek White. They got rid of DeJounte Murray. They got rid of Lonnie Walker, all in the span of a little more than a year. That's not for no reason. They are tanking for a guy named Victor Wambanyama. 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 That's it. 7'5 kid out of Paris. Plays like no one you've ever seen. And they want him. So that's fair. And they're probably going to be rebuilding for a minute because they're getting a lot of first-round first draft picks and they're trading off these pieces. So the final shoe to drop where we knew they were tanking for real, for real, was DeJounte. Many po- people thought, oh, even if they're rebuilding, they'll build around DeJounte. He's like the SGA for Oklahoma City. Wrong. That's wrong. This is when we know that's their plan. No, we're not maxing out DeJounte. He's on a totally different timeline than Victor Wambanyama. There's no reason, and they know this. There's More teams should know this. There's no reason to be a 10th seed in the West. There's no reason to be a 10th seed in the East. You should either be the bottom or you should be striving for the top. In the middle area, you're just, you're just getting like the 10th or 11th pick in the draft, which is probably no one very good, and you're just in the land of mediocrity. You might as well go full rebuild at that point, which is what they're doing. Tank for a high draft pick, sell your assets off for future draft capital, which you can either package for a star or someone who you think is going to be a star, and then figure out a way to get back to the pinnacle. So everything seemed fine. DeJounte seemed fine with it. He said many nice things. He said he was elated to be playing with Trey Young, that they wanted to play with one another. He wanted to play in Atlanta, who is currently in win-now mode, and that he loved his time in San Antonio. End of story, right? No, not end of story. Curiously, in what initially seemed at first glance like a departure from tank mode, the San Antonio Spurs signed Calden Johnson, a 22-year-old player that casual fans probably have no idea who he is, to a four-year, $74 million deal, a very big deal, and a deal similar to DeJounte Murray's original deal. A deal that would signify to those who weren't paying attention, that maybe Keldon Johnson was the future of the Spurs, and maybe they were using him as their new DeJounte Murray, their new centerpiece to what they were building. Younger, cheaper, and an Olympian. But dumb fans can't peep that this is what's not happening in San Antonio. They have decided to structure his deal to make him another trade piece, right? So this troll said, try to get under DeJounte Murray's skin on IG, and it worked. He said, bye-bye, fly, little birdie. Good luck getting to the second round. At least we got picks, and we're building around Keldon. DeJounte decided, fuck taking the high road. I'm going to pop back. I'm going to air out what's going on in San Antonio. I'm going to take back everything I ever said nice about this team. He said, the way that system is set up, you're going to be losing for the next 15 years. It's a problem bigger than basketball. Then, 
When another fan said that he would regret leaving like Kawhi, he responded with four laughing emojis and said, you're mad, LMAO, followed by a clown emoji. A problem bigger than basketball. Sheesh. I did a little digging, and I'll give you my thoughts in a second, but I want to talk really quickly about this Keldon Johnson deal and why DeJounte Murray should not feel salty about Keldon getting this money right now. Keldon's $74 million contract is set up where he's paid less and less money over time. So the back end of his contract is actually cheaper than what he's getting right now. So Keldon will be significantly underpaid in years three and four compared to what the market will be, specifically considering that we're going to get a new CBA agreement with larger salary caps and a $17 million player is probably going to be some guy that's basically a 2A G League guy. People are going to get made, p- getting paid like $90 million a year. So 17 in the Kelton Johnson schemes of things, pretty ideal. So now they have control over Kelton Johnson for another four years, and they'll most likely trade him in three years' time for three future firsts, just like they did DeJounte. So, of course, in this day and age, DeJounte Murray then deleted his comments. Screen caps, they'll live forever. He then clarified his statement a few hours later by tweeting, You have no clue how deeply I love the fans and will do whatever for real fans. Me saying what I said had nothing to do with the fans. All that inside shit fake, though. For real, for real. So he's like, yo, all that stuff I said about uh, San Antonio, I still stand by that shit. They are whack. Problems bigger than basketball. They're going to be terrible for 15 years. Probably the biggest sorry, not sorry tweet I've seen in a long-ass time. Yeah, I meant everything I said about San Antonio. That organization sucks. They're really the worst team to play for, period. For real, for real. And you can tell he, the for real, for real is what got me, right? The second for real was when I was like, maybe he's really for real, you know? Maybe, maybe something's going on there. Maybe I need to make a couple of calls. So I did a couple, a little Big J journaling. What I gather, maybe it's not all hearts and rainbows in San Antonio. Question is, when is Pop going to retire? No one knows. I asked multiple people at the San, uh, in, uh, at Summer League, and I was like, hey, do you guys know if Pop's retiring anytime soon? Because it doesn't seem like he would want to stick around for a full rebuild. He's a million. And some people said yes. A he literally looks like he created the Constitution. Like, plus lived when the dinosaurs did. And it's like he's got one foot in. He's got another foot watching Slovenian tape for the next Olympics. You know he's kind of checked out. And does it even matter if he's coaching? This team, we're trying to lose games. I don't need to coach. It's kind of a perfect time to be a coach in the NBA. Literally just chill. Tell them nothing. Teach them nothing. Let them do whatever they want. Becky Hammond dipped. She's like, I can't wait anymore for this founding father to dip off into the sunset. And on top of that, another thing that I've heard, another word that was used to describe this franchise and the culture was militant. Yes, militant. I don't know that a young kid like DeJounte Murray would particularly resonate with a militant culture. Greg Popovich, like Coach K, former military guy, runs a very tight ship we're talking curfews on the road where you're not seeing anyone but your team on the road that's enforced curfews for grown men uh more strictly enforced than it was at the walt disney bubble so practices that feel like top gun maverick 
Like you got the big wide open room with desks and somebody up there and making sure you're locked and loaded all the way in. No talking on the team bus on the way to games. Things I can't even believe. Things that I had to shake my head and say, am I being fed a load of shit here? I mean, that's all good and fine when you're winning championships. But the they haven't won a championship since 2014. Strict rules hit a little different when you're in the play-in tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all good when you got champagne and goggles and everybody's eating steak and drinking wine and sharing personal stories that make you cry and, like, Greg Popovich is giving you hugs. No, this is not that anymore. So I tell you what. 2023, projected number one overall pick. Victor Wambayama, one. Number one, they better fucking get him. And number two, he better be the second coming Michael Jordan because... DeJounte Murray might be right. The Spurs might be in a 15-year losing drought and just rebuild after rebuild after rebuild with Pop collecting checks that he maybe shouldn't even cash like his name is Steve Nash. It's losing time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, I'll have more thoughts on the Summer League in the coming weeks. We're going to probably talk about rookies. I did a little deep dive into some rookies I thought are going to be really good, ones that you haven't heard of before. I was there the entire time. And let me just say this. I love basketball. I always will. I always have. It was a lot of basketball. It was two gyms. One was tiny. One was big. Two, literally two full gyms of basketball from noon to like 11 p.m. So you're talking, I mean, 20 hours of basketball a day if you see it all, like on TV and in person. I mean, it's just impossible to keep up with. You're trying to strategically choose what games you go to based on what executives are going to be there, what stars are probably going to be there, and, of course, what rookies are still playing in it. You're strategically making sure that the first round, early first round picks, you got to watch them early because uh, they're probably not going to play after the second game, which is exactly what happened with Paolo, which is what happened to Chet after the third game, which is what happened to Jaden Ivey after the first game, Shaden Sharp after the first game. So you really want to front load the early rookies and watching them wall-to-wall hoops. Uh, I heard a lot of NBA TV commentators say that the Summer League was the equivalent of summer vacation for the league. And I think that's sort of true. Everyone who's anyone shows up in the NBA space. Anyone that you would want to see besides Luka, because I don't know what he's doing, he wasn't there. I think he was with Shaq. I saw a video with him. uh, I saw a video with Luka and Shaq at a DJ club. DJ Shaq. That was, I thought that was in Vegas, but I don't think that it was. Um, it's very informal, uh, but it's changed a lot. All the rookies are on the floor trying to make a name for themselves. Guys are switching teams midway through the summer league so that they can go from my man Mac McClung, 
who at one point I thought was Matt McClung. Nope, Mac. Mac Daddy. He switched teams from the Lakers to the Golden State Warriors midway through the summer league. He was like, you know what? I already know what team I want to align with, and it's not L.A. He's going to mess around and probably be a rotation player. He really balled out from summer league. So you see that a lot. We have plenty of time to break down the rookies and sophomores, but now I just kind of want to like talk a little bit about uh, summer league and the experience itself if you haven't been there. So it was created in a long-ass time ago from a guy named Warren Legary and his partner, Albert Hall. They went to David Stern and asked if they could create essentially a rookie camp for guys to showcase their talents, for guys to get picked up on two-way deals, and after you know some conversations, they allowed Warren to do that. It was never televised. It was never something that was a fan spectacular. It was a way, in a sense, to extend the combine atmosphere and get GMs and coaches and players all in a room. The players would come to support their teammates, and it was like a convention. It was like a inside the NBA convention, and it was the, the second event as media I had ever been to in 2012, Damian Lillard's first year. Damian Lillard won summer league MVP that year. He was electric. So from then on, it slowly but surely started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I went in 2012, there was no, almost no fans at all. You could go up to GMs and they were just sitting in the bleachers by themselves. No one anywhere close. You're like, oh yeah, is that a, is that Pat Riley? No, we just go up, sit next to him, watch some hoops, say hi. No problem. You could see Doc Rivers at the Starbucks. Hey, what's up? Big fan. Blah, 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 blah. Now, there's, it's like kind of a scene. You have to go through the NBA in order to get credentials. It's $60 a day if you're a fan to go, which if you want to go for the whole time, it's like almost $700 to go, which is kind of banana land to me. And also, maybe not even expensive enough considering how fucking packed it was. I have all kinds of ideas on how to fix it. I think every one of those ideas people would say is elitist. So I'm not going to say them out loud. But it includes limiting fans. And it includes limiting where they can go and when. Uh, Because it's meant for us, right? It's meant for media. I'm very happy that it's televised and that you can see it on TV. But you don't need to be that close to Paolo Bancaro. You don't. Like, you you just see him him in Orlando on a random Tuesday in January. This is is like the combine. We're trying to get business done here. Uh, Every single game now is televised. Every single one. They have some games on NBA TV and the other half of games on ESPN. The games, I think the games in the big gym are on ESPN and the small games are on NBA TV or maybe they rotate it in and out. But it is now wild. It's to the point where that you've got security telling, where you can, telling you where you can sit and where you can stand. You've got, it, it's just a scene. Um, and something that I feel like is only going to get bigger and bigger. And I think now that it's huge, there needs to be a second event. There's also these little gyms off to the side that nobody even knows about. Secret practices going on. John Morant gym. Usher Raymond and his son hooping it up. Carmelo Anthony and his son hooping it up. P. Diddy. Just random celebrities coming through to this gym called Impact, which even I 
myself cannot get an invite to. So that's the next step is to get inside Impact, give you guys the full experience there, maybe take some videos, but that's happening every day in addition. Also, on top of Summer League, there's a a thing called Sports Business Classroom where young people and old people alike are coming to learn about the business of the NBA. They learn from scouts. They learn from GMs. They learn from other talent evaluators and coaches. Basically, the business of basketball. How do trades get done? What's What's up with the CBA? How do salary caps work? What are the rules of the NBA? How do you scout players? How do you build a franchise? all for the low, low price of, I think, 10 Gs. Uh, And you come away with interesting contacts. They give you your meals. They put you up. You know how that whole thing is. That's how I got in the business. I paid to be in the camp for the Adidas Nations. I think I paid like $2,000 for three days, which was wild that I did not have. And uh, I came away with a little mixtape that I could give give people uh, to see what I look like sort of on camera. So... That's happening. They also have coaches clinics that are going on almost like Sloan business where it's like changing technology in the NBA, almost trying to find ways to uh, extend careers of NBA players. I have a friend who's a sleep doctor who gives talks on his CPAPs and surgeries that athletes have on their body in order to extend their careers, increase their ability to you know, lift more, all the stamina stuff that goes on inside, you know, games of an 82-game season. So a lot of extracurricular activities that are business, and then obviously there's a lot of extracurricular activities that are going on uh, with playtime as well. A lot of people going out, a lot of people hitting the clubs, a lot of people ending up going to these long, fancy dinners at pretty much every restaurant under the sun in Vegas that you can find. An experience, definitely something that I recommend. But if you're a fan, I would recommend you go for like the first two, three days and then leave. Just go. Just don't stay. It's not worth it. There's no one there for you to see. There's no players playing in it that you know that you've ever heard of. By like day eight, you're talking about guys I need to look up on the internet. Never heard of them. It's like him and Sharif O'Neal and Mac McClung and like Namias Kada and... Namias Keita is actually going to be, maybe be a star, but we'll talk about that another time. So that's my advice. Go first three days. Go like Wednesday through Saturday and leave. Also, never seen Starbucks prices like that in my life. Iced tea, iced tea in a kind bar, 16 bucks. I said, what? Iced, I, did you ring me up wrong? Did you, I didn't get 10 kind bars. I was like, Jesus Christ, I spent money on things I didn't even know cost that much. It was like a 100% increase. And they're like, oh, it's only a 10% increase. I was like, no, I don't think it's 16 bucks for a nice tea and a kind bar at the Starbucks. But you do run into legends there. I ran into Baron Davis at the Starbucks. I ran into Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, he's a bucket, he's a bucket, he's a bucket. Uh, very sweet, soft energy he gives off in real life. Fl- Floyd Mayweather we got to see. Floyd Money Mayweather. So the celebrity sightings got to meet Wale. My hero gave me a big hug. So the celebrity sightings are definitely something that happened in the front end. Those are my overall impressions of Summer League in terms of the sights and sounds. Maybe next year I can convince MGM to bring my producer Brock with me and we can get some shit done. 
Um, that's my next plan so we can get some video for you. Big interviews coming. Definitely make sure to stick around for those. This is the off season, so the schedule will be more frenetic and erratic. That is all the time that we have for the heat check. We will be back Monday, I think, with a new episode to recap what's popping. Follow us, subscribe, download, tell your friends, review on Spotify, review on on the podcast of Apple. I've got some haters in my Apple's podcast. And if you're from Philly, don't uh, review. And follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on Twitter.